Welcome to episode 9 of Bryce and Ren and Corey in the house. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bryce Henderson, and today we'll be discussing season 1, episode 9 of Corey in the house, Bahavian Idol. And with me, as always, to discuss this uh, wacky and cursed episode of Corey in the house is Renan Fontes. Ren, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Bryce. How are you? Uh, I am not bad. I feel like it's been a little bit of a a hectic week, and... Mm -hmm. um, I threw this episode on uh, on Friday. I watched it for the first time, and I got to be honest, it was like background noise, which yeah. doesn't usually happen for me when I watch it. And then tonight when I watched it was kind of my, um, I felt like I had faintly seen all of it, but yeah. my first time really seeing the episode, and um, it, it was not the most fun that I've ever had. Yeah, that was, I'd say that's my takeaway as well. Yeah. This wasn't the most fun I've ever had with Corey in the house. No, no. What about you? You doing well? You had a good week? Yeah, I had a pretty good week. Mostly just yeah. work, but... Yeah, I feel that. It's Corey day. It is. Sunday is Corey day. Um, Yeah, we discussed, you know, the, the father and son, Holy Spirit, the Victor, the Corey, and President Martinez. One and the same. Uh, So, are you ready to dive into Bahavian Idol? I am ready. And to begin, I actually have a question. Yeah, what's your question? Did they establish that their band's name was DC3 before this episode? No, no. Okay. This is the, the first time that we have heard their name. And I'm, I'm actually... Sure. Yeah, no, you didn't miss anything. Um, it's a name that fits, you know, because it's set in DC. Yeah. And there's three of them. So it fits. But uh, I almost feel like that was a missed opportunity for a plot in an episode or even just a note, honestly, or like, what should we name it? And then yeah, that could have been a whole episode. Who do you think came up with this name? The DC Corey, three? Corey, <laughs> you think it was Corey? He didn't let anyone else get a word in. I feel like, yeah. So maybe after they'd been playing a few times and Corey felt like uh, things were going well, Corey just kind of put the name on it himself. And he was like, hey, by the way, I have a band. It's called DC3. I'd love for you both to be in it. And I'm sure Newt went along because, you know, he'll say yes to anything. And then Mina... So you, you think Corey pitched the band? <laughs> I think... I don't think he pitched the name. I think he pitched it as if the band existed, even though the band was just him. Here's what I think happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they all got together to come up with a band name. Mm-hmm. Newt and Mina had, you know, their decent ideas that they were attached to. Mm-hmm. But Corey forced them to accept DC3. Yeah. Corey shot down probably all the all the other possibilities until all that was left was he was like, well, you know, no one said anything bad about DC three, and he they were like, Newt, like changed his mind. Yeah, exactly. And as we learned in this episode, it's really easy for Newt to change his mind. <laughs> um, so, man, yeah. So this is I'm glad you you say that. That was actually my first note uh, to start off the episode as well as the band has a name. Um, and we start off with them playing what I noted as a lullaby. It wasn't actually a lullaby. <laughs> it was like the last note of the song they briefly play at the end of the episode. Yeah, it, it put me to sleep to start off the episode. Um, so they're playing 
And when they're done with it, Corey's like, thank you, uh, Washington, D.C. And Mina and Newt also kind of give their own, like, you're the best crowd ever. Um, no, they say thank you, Washington. They do not say thank you, Washington, D.C. Oh, okay, okay. They say Washington. <laughs> um, is, it, is it possible that they flew halfway across the country for this gig? To it's Washington we'll, we'll have if We'll have to see if we see Nathaniel again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they end playing their song. They're so proud of it. They're like, this was so good. And the camera kind of, um, you know, pans out, shows the uh, shot of who's in the audience. And it is a single guy. His name is Alexander. His twin, who we meet later, is named Nathaniel. Uh, Alexander is, uh, I say that he's curled up in a chair. That's really the only way I can describe who he is as a human being. Yeah, uh... <laughs> So, all right, we got to talk about Alexander, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, just out the gate, we need to establish who he is, what he does, and our yeah. interpretations of him. Uh, so his his job title, as he says it himself, he's the artistic director slash blender-in-chief of the Library Cafe. Um, his energy is very manic. It's very, very manic. Would you, would would you, you say he has a nefarious energy? <laughs> Yes, I think that's a great way to describe him, Ren. He made me uncomfortable by just, yeah. without before he even said anything, like I said, he was kind of curled up um, in this chair. He's wearing what looks like a white v-neck t-shirt, and then over it is a single layer of fabric that makes it seem like he's hunted down a number of green lizards and then patched <laughs> their skin together to make a suit coat. And that's... That's what he's wearing. Did you notice his outfit, Ren? Did you have any thoughts on it? I noticed his pirate frills later on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did, did he? So I unfortunately I did not note what he's wearing later, and now I'm bumming that I, I didn't realize that. So he goes full pirate. I think he has later. like a vest on. Oh my god. Ugh. Alexander. Um, and he he's in actually a decent amount of this episode. Shoved down our throats. They really wanted to get the most out of a uh, Jr. Nut. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a moment. Don't worry. I, I, um, I found a little bit more about who Jr. Nut is. So, um, all right. So we have uh, him. He's sitting in a chair by himself. As I said, he he kind of runs this uh, cafe known as the Library Cafe, where the DC three just auditioned for band night. And um, he he's all in. He's like, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Say six-ish. And Corey, what is he after? What is he always up to, this Corey Baxter? Corey only cares about one thing. Mm-hmm. Green. Money, money, money. He, uh, immediately after finding out that the band got a gig, instead of celebrating with them, he walks directly up to Alexander and uh, asks if he can split the profits from uh, band night 50-50. And Alexander explains that the band has three songs. And so maybe that's why they're called DC three. There's three or another reason, right? There's <laughs> they only play three songs three of them. in time. They only play three songs. Um, and then they forget the rest as they're <laughs> learning the three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like a, uh, like similar in star Wars has the rule of two. DC three has the, uh, the rule of three. There can only ever be three songs in their repertoire at a single time. Um, so Alexander explains, you know, they only know three songs. No one's ever heard of them. So they will not split the profits 50-50. They will get paid in juice. 
Um, so, you know, uh, Corey says that they are the hottest band in Washington and that they deserve more than to be paid in juice. And Corey brings up his negotiating skills. Did you think that Corey's a good negotiator here? Well, Corey basically negotiated for what he was initially offered. So... Yeah, he, he really bad skills. Uh, so the back and forth is Corey says, um, well, so so Alexander explains that they will get a small juice with three straws. Corey is like, you know what? We're going to walk. Like, we're not going to play. We don't need this. And Alexander says, that's fine. I'll find another band. Corey, Corey immediately, he's like, okay, we'll come back. But if we get a large juice. And uh, Alexander says, we'll give you tap water soon. Corey's like, medium? Alexander says small. So they end up with, like you said, the exact thing that they started with. Corey sucks. Classic Corey. <laughs> um, so now Corey goes to celebrate with the DC three and they uh, do a jump in the air and it freezes. And this is not the first time we've seen this used in Corey in the house. No, it's not. But I think this was the least funniest instance. Yes, because they did it um, once or twice last week. And I believe they did it the week before as well when um, they were hatching up their scheme for Sophie. So uh, I think so. it might be a thing that, that these three just do a bunch of like jumping and then freeze frames. It's not funny. Um, One of their powers. Yeah, it's something the DC three. It's their powers. Um in freeze frame, we cut to credits. That is our cold open. What do you think about this cold open? It, it it sets the seeds for the whole episode. Well, no, actually, it doesn't. It, it sets the setting for the episode. Yes. Yeah, because it doesn't really touch too much on what the actual plot is, but it reminds us, you know, they're in a band. It's what brings them together and introduces us to Alexander, who's... Uh, I guess in our faces, the whole episode, not really a driving force for the plot or anything like that. It felt very rushed. Yeah. Like I, I felt like it was over as soon as it started. Yes. And we see Corey, um, Corey very much so being himself in this opening scene, but not in a way that's relevant or directly impacts the actual episode where he's trying to negotiate and plays kind of like band manager for a little bit. doesn't matter. Yeah. Not, not, that conversation doesn't matter. Um, the juice bit comes back kind of throughout but otherwise not so relevant so uh alexander is played by one jr nut and ren i gotta be honest i had a difficult time finding stuff about him because if you search that into google um yeah Yeah, i uh i can imagine it was a challenge yeah and uh, so i tried youtube as well and i got a lot of um like uh nut nut or nut junior so um Yes. So he, uh, I also, something that I noted about him is I can't picture him being in a show or even in like a bit part without getting uh, at least one speaking line. Right. Yeah. Like uh, he's kind of, he looks strange, but he clearly has the voice or can do the voice to match. And I betcha that he just plays the same character wherever he goes. Um, so I did find, uh, so two things that I want to highlight with him. Um, and I, the first one I'm going to read directly from, I, I found it on the Castle Wiki, uh, like the TV show Castle has uh, a okay. wiki. And they wrote, they did a little write-up about, as they refer to him, Mr. Nut. Um, 
So Mr. Nutt, he began working at the age of eight in a small role in the film Born on the Fourth of July with Tom Cruise. And then shortly after filming the movie, Nutt moved with his mother to New York City to further his acting career, uh, working in plays and commercials. And then Nutt even auditioned several times for the part that eventually went to Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Wow. So it says that he auditioned several times. So I wonder if that means like he was really close to getting it. He must have been if he they, I'm sure they wanted the like the perfect kid for Home Alone. Do we, uh, do we think J.R. Nutt is a stage name or as a kid was he auditioning like it was Macaulay Culkin versus J.R. Nutt? Well, I, I think J.R. Nutt must have come after the Macaulay incident to give him like some kind of appeal name wise. Oh, yeah. Probably, yeah. His name was probably like John Nutt. Mm-hmm. You, you're really gonna cast a guy named John Nutt? John Nutt in, in as what, what the main Kevin. I'm not gonna watch, not gonna watch that stupid movie. You kidding me? Yeah. John John's in it. Macaulay. Yeah, I'll see that. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, all basic marketing, Bryce. It is. So, do you think his name J.R. Nutt works against him? in in this uh <laughs> internet age yes yeah i i agree he does have a, a facebook page which um that's dangerous i i went through as well and it was mostly him sharing he, he had a lot of bit parts and commercials um so i did want to share um one of them actually i'm gonna uh we'll see how this goes and you know if, if it doesn't work um i'm I'll, I'll go ahead and cut it out but okay. uh let's see so i can Oh, uh, host disabled share screen. Um, all right, it's not worth it. But what I'll what I'll do is I'll describe to you the the commercial. If you okay. <laughs> um, so it opens on one Jr. Nut. This is him older, so past his uh, Home Alone auditioning days. Uh, he is sitting in his front yard. He is hosting a bake sale. And then three neighborhood bullies walk up to him and they, uh, he's sitting in front of him. Uh, he has like tons and tons of his cakes, donuts, cookies, brownies. He has all sorts of desserts. And so the, the neighborhood crew comes up and they're like, oh, like you got your little pastries, I see. And he's like, yeah, I got my pastries. And they like go and they keep on like touching his pastries, like his different desserts. And he's like, please don't touch my desserts. Like, don't touch that. Like, don't, don't touch this pastry. And they're, like, naming all them. They're like, oh, is that, like, a pineapple upside down cake? And he's like, don't touch that pineapple upside down cake. They keep doing it. And then um, they're like, well, I guess your bake sale can't be really uh, successful, right? And then that's when we find out that uh, he he's like, oh, if I'm not successful, look behind me. And they see that he recently purchased a VW GTI which is uh, a car and he did it all with the funds from his bake sale. So um, good that, commercial. Like it it sounded like you were going to end up like describing like a Lunchables or a Dunkaroos commercial or something. Oh, that would only make sense, Ren. Right. That would only make, make sense. But instead it's a car commercial where he's running a bake sale. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was a good commercial. It was not his best. He also, he did a DiGiorno one as well, DiGiorno's. Um, I couldn't find it. Uh, he linked it on his Facebook, but it's been taken down. So they must have been not too thrilled with how it turned out. But there were there was also outtakes from it that he shared on his Facebook as well. And those were also taken down. So 
Not uh, a lot as always, there. thank you to our sponsors at Volkswagen and DiGiorno's. <laughs> I know I'm kind of bummed because the reason I picked this one is the audio was pretty good as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was a pretty strong, pretty strong listen, but maybe next, next time we dive into someone, I'll hopefully be able to maybe share a commercial or something like that. Uh, So, um, and then the last thing is uh, nut has identified that he is most often recognized for his role as Alexander. So this is in his opinion, the most popular role that he's ever done could we get him on the podcast um <laughs> that in our pocket great question so he and he was also voted uh in 2011 he shared on the said facebook page um that he was voted number one for the most popular characters in cory in the house um and it was the website was like uh it was like uh, lists by the dozens.com or something like that so i don't know if it was really voted on or if it's one person made it maybe he made it himself i don't know um well, you gotta you gotta admire the commitment you do so he's he's loved by the fans and it was in t- 2011 so before cory in the house was a meme of itself that's genuine fandom it is uh and so that that's what i got about one jr nut um would you want to see more of him after this episode no i would like for him to go far far away i i'm dreading the next few episodes he's definitely <laughs> going to be in yeah because he definitely wasn't uh, voted everyone's favorite character off one appearance mm-hmm. and especially not off off this one i wouldn't think but i don't know maybe they they really thought he was funny so uh all right so we uh, go out of the credits into scene two we open with the DC three. It's hard now to not refer to them as that. Um, but it, it's almost convenient. Yeah. So the DC three extremely convenient um, opening with, with the three of them uh, splitting their small juice. So they're all huddled around the small cup tr- sipping on it. Uh, Alexander walks over and he says, cease and disip. Good joke. It, no, <laughs> no, uh, not, not super good. Uh, but he kind of explains the stakes for this gig and he, he tells them that if they do well then they might become semi-regular alternate fill-ins at the library cafe which is not juice. yeah and exactly and he'll it'll pay them all in juice i don't think it's really a an honorable title but Corey <laughs> seems like his eyes light up hearing it um and then mina's dad is picking her up so this is we must assume maybe like post their audition they get the juice they already get their payment and um mina's dad is coming to pick pick her up so he walks in um this was uh, like again uh, a, a lot of things in this episode but this was the start of just like some offensiveness you didn't um, think the varnishka dance was respectful i did not think it was it was <laughs> respectful we show um newt's like oh mina look your dad's here and we see him doing a a dance it's um like not i i don't know i i see it i I don't think that it's necessarily inappropriate nothing like that but it's um odd to be doing perhaps in this setting well i can't think of any actual culture that has an elaborate dance you do the first Mm -hmm. time you visit a location no and that's uh (laughs) <laughs> That's what gets me, Ren, is 
they <laughs> it's not even like a stereotype exactly they're it's just making making absolute things up at this point <laughs> and they uh they have him do this dance and mina explains that it's the the Vernishka dance to uh which people have to do when they enter a new location for the first time and uh, pe- the people in bahavia do it and then they sprinkle salt and it's to ward off bad luck um yeah, I, I think what they're trying to do here, Ren, is they're trying to establish the importance of uh, like superstition and luck to uh, what Mina dubs as like old school Bahavian. But in yeah, the whole superstitious element of this episode is. Did, do you also feel like it's like a glaring problem that in a world where his sister is a psychic, Corey does not believe in superstition? <laughs> that's all I could think about. <laughs> Ren. Oh my gosh. I did not. That did not even cross my mind. But that is an excellent connection. Yes. Corey. Who believes. Uh, who has a sister who is psychic. That he knows is psychic. Um, does not even want to give Mina. The possible time of day. That curses are real in her culture. Um that did not even cross my mind, Ren. That's a, a, a really, really stellar um, thing that you noticed. It makes Corey's actions much worse. It does. And so so it, it's that. And then it's also the, um, the way that... Uh, I don't, so Bahavian culture at this point, like the picture that's painted of... If we look at the country of Bahavia, like how they live, what that looks like. It paints a, a very similar image, uh, at least in my mind, to they're trying to go for some uh, kind of like a, a tribe-based connection, I, I think. The Bahavian culture is definitely meant um, to be tribalistic and primal. Like, yeah. on some... It's meant to like kind of play off that noble savage. Yes, and it's because like, they don't they don't really give into the idea of like a um, I don't get the idea that Bahavia is seen in the world of Cory in the house as a first world country. Um, and no, it, a, it's clearly depicted as a third world, like undeveloped, like still developing country. Yes, and so and that that could be why the relationship between Bahavia and the U.S. is so key in, in that earlier episode where we're, we're first introduced to a lot of the concepts of the culture. Mm-hmm. But um, in, in this episode, the use of superstition to me um, catches me off guard as well. And just the way that it's, it's so divisive um, where we, as the audience were meant to see it and uh, like not really buy into the idea that it's real. Like Corey the whole time is trying to say like, oh, like it it's not real. Like it's don't believe in that stuff. Clearly, where it has it's important to old school Bahavia, it's important to the culture. And so I I just the whole concept of superstition and how it interplays into the culture. And then Mina is sitting here, she's like, Oh, I don't believe in it because it's old school Bahavia. I'm new school, which is something we've already established. Corey in the house takes the stance that Bahavia being an undeveloped country and it's old culture it, it treats that as a joke it's something to be laughed at yes like we're not uh, supposed to, we're not supposed to give it respect and that's ultimately what every single episode that's involved bahavia has 
like double down on is that Mina, it's better for Mina to move away from this part yep. of her culture. Yes. Or, and it bothers me so much that it's used in this way in this episode, because in the, the first time we see her, uh, in the second episode kind of go through these these steps of the conflict between uh like american culture and bahavian culture we end up with a kind of a nice happy medium of you know i understand and i'll respect the importance of old school bahavia but i'm still going to bring in kind of my new american cultural aspects as well and blend them together and i, I like that that exists and then in this episode it seems like mina is full on like I just want to be the American self. Like, I, I really want to disregard the Bahavian piece. I don't know if and you... What's agree. weird is that it seemed like the episode was building towards Mina, like, eventually calling out Nude and Corey and being like, this is my culture, please respect it. Yes. Yeah. That moment is completely flipped. Mm-hmm. And Mina is... We'll get into it, but Mina is... Yeah. Would you say Mina's cast in the wrong? I would. Yeah. Because M- Mina ends up apologizing to Corey for Corey disrespecting her culture. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously we're going to get into all of it, but I wanted to kind of have this conversation up front because of how important the role of superstition in the culture is to the episode. Yeah. Um, we need to establish all this stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so um, we get through this. Mina's dad is picking him up. Does the, uh, the uh, Vanishka dance. We learn that it's to ward off bad luck. Bahavians, they're very superstitious. Uh, Mina uh, says, uh, I belognish, which is Bahavian for oh dang, because Corey uh, asks her if she's told her dad about the audition. So uh, we now know our first part of Bahavian language. Can we use this to translate the entire language? <laughs> is this imagine? enough? <laughs> right if Corey in the house uh maybe the writers developed the whole language and they just were were drawing off of it um throughout so we got to pick up if we do learn any more on on what that looks like uh so then finally uh ambassador p comes over mina's dad uh and newt hugs him and uh mina's dad is upset to see Corey and newt with mina which kind of ties into what you and I mentioned last week about why Mina and Newt continue to be friends with Corey. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, you know... Even I, her dad disapproves. Yeah, so he disapproves. I, I, And Mina, you know, maybe this is Mina's way of, of trying to be like, Dad, please, like, you know, I'm rebelling <laughs> and I'm being friends with Corey. So anyway, so um, Corey uh tells mina that he will handle telling her dad about her being in the band uh if mina has seen Corey do anything um it's handle things right i mean we're nine episodes in she knows this guy's reliable <laughs> Corey could never mess anything up uh, so he he walks over to uh mina's dad and says, uh, what would you do if I told you Mina was about to do something that'd make her very happy? And Mina's dad says, what would you do if I told you in my country, speaking about happiness before marriage is strictly forbidden? Interesting line. Yeah. Uh, it says, again, a lot about, <laughs> about what they want us as viewers to think about Bahavia. Yeah. Um, 
that we're supposed to think Bahavia is really harsh and cold and apparently it does not allow happiness before marriage. Sexist backwards country. Exactly. Yeah, that they uh, have these strict kind of like gender roles as well because Corey takes this as, are you saying you want me to marry her? And Mina's dad, no. No, please God, no. Mina didn't look too thrilled with Corey, which I, I liked more than her weird looks last week. Yes, so this was Mina now saying, like, okay, I'm going to take care of it. So she comes over, um, she talks to him, uh, her dad, and this. so here's kind of what gets me. This conversation felt positive to me, where she reminds her dad, like, you know, so she's like, hey, we're going to perform here tomorrow night, and remember, like, you said that you're going to be open-minded, you're going to give me freedom, and he's like, okay, like, I didn't know that this is what you meant by freedom, but I still understand. And, you know, I'm going to come here and I'll, I'll silently judge, but I'm still going to come and, and support you. Uh, which, like, that felt like a positive interaction, right? It did. Which is why this episode feels so at odds. Yes, uh, because it that that interaction is supposed to set up kind of the rest of the episode and it, it didn't for me. And so then I, I felt kind of lost at, um, what Mina's intentions really were throughout the episode uh, because this conversation happens and it even like as the music plays and the scene ends it still feels fine so um this is yet another episode about Mina that rarely focuses on Mina yes it's all about um kind of the, the things going on around her and how Corey really feels uh, so back at the schoolyard so we're, we're, we cut to school just for this scene. Um, and Corey runs into the courtyard. He's excited. He's like, yeah, like we're going to go rock the house tonight at the library cafe. And uh, Newt is thrilled, but Mina is, is not for whatever reason. She's kind of like hesitant about it. Um, Corey got Mina a gift, Ren. Yeah. And what a gift it is, Bryce. <laughs> Do you like the uh, uh, more chaka? So, uh, I don't really like it. I don't know why Corey was in a shop and thought that it was a good idea to get this for her without even knowing that it is a cursed object, which in Bahavian culture, the uh, Moshaka is a cursed object. Um, Corey does not realize this and buys it. Didn't he buy this at like a Bahavian store too? Yes. So he was Wouldn't surrounded. Wouldn't told, have told him that it's a cursed like item ren uh, another question about that why would a bahavian store be actively selling uh a morchaka that's a, a better question a, a cursed object um yeah maybe cory thought he was at a bahavian store and it was really like uh a, a like cursed shop uh, yeah <laughs> cursed shop. i was gonna say spencer's gifts um <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was just walked into the wrong shop and was vastly confused. So um, he gives Mina a gift and it's more Shaka. And Newt is like, oh, what about my gift? So Cory gives Newt a piece of gum, which Newt later chokes on. Uh, he's fine. Don't worry. Newt's fine. But Cory's so inconsiderate and so <laughs> open about how little he thinks of Newt. Yeah, it kind of it reminded me of the uh, skiing episode where um, Corey just continuously forgets to mention that he's excited to go skiing with Newt because he's just so obsessed with Mina. So um, 
yes, Mina touches it. She explains that uh, in Bahavia, touching that is thought to bring a curse of bad luck. And Corey's like, oh, I thought you didn't believe in this stuff. Um, and Mina's like, oh, maybe I overreacted. Like, maybe you're right. And then there uh, is a very sudden storm that takes place in the courtyard. And this storm involves some physical comedy, which Mina does not often do, but we get to see where a, a giant poster that says Go Bears on it um, lets loose and pretty much uh, surrounds Mina. She then can't see, and she stumbles her way through the courtyard, runs into not one but two lampposts, trips, uh, runs into someone, and then trips over a bench. She should be badly hurt, if not dying. <laughs> she was pummeled into those lampposts. One of them, at least one of them was headfirst as well. Yeah, like, um, bashed her. Is it is it possible that Mina uh, is not feeling like she's cursed in this episode, but actually just has, like, severe internal bleeding and doesn't realize? <laughs> it's entirely possible. Yeah. Um... She blames the curse, but it's not that. It's, you know, just her uh, hemorrhaging heart. Uh, (laughs) So um, the storm passes and Mina is kind of mad at Corey for the gift of the Morshaka and the the scene ends. Um, And we're then back in our next scene. So keep in mind, uh, Ren and I discussed this before we, we started to record, but there is no B plot in this episode all a plot all more shaka all curse all mina all Corey, all newt uh, n- no no president no sophie nothing so just a cameo from victor yeah we exactly we get victor for all of like 10 seconds he gets one line and it's a very strange presence at that uh, so mina shows up to the the uh library cafe wearing a yak cap which is exactly what it sounds like. It's like if someone took uh, Appa's head from Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, carved out the face, and then put it on Mina's head. Pretty much that. Um, and she's wearing it to ward off curses. And uh, she's really stuck on the curse. Corey's like, hey, we got to get over this. She's like, I can't. It's Bahavian culture. I touched some more Shaka. I'm cursed. Like, things are going to be bad. Uh, they then do a sound check. Um, Newt has a funny line here, Rand. I, at least I thought it was funny. Um, so as they go to the to do the sound check, Newt says, uh, "Crank it up." I bet Impa- Ambassador P likes it loud. Um, why would Ambassador P like uh, loud music? Why would Newt think that? I mean, remember their performance during the second episode? Oh yeah, yeah, he was into it. Uh, that ambassador P, he likes the loud music. So, uh, and then Corey and Newt um, don't want Mina to go. So Mina's like, because uh, he tur- Newt uh, turns up the like amp up, and then there's a reaction on the mic, and Mina like accidentally backs into the drums or something. She's like, "Oh, the curse is getting worse." So she wants out, and Corey and Newt don't want her to go. Mina runs away. That's the scene. So, like, we see Mina is deeply afflicted, uh, not afflicted, affected by the curse. So, 
about this curse. Yeah, let's talk. Does the show believe the curse? Like, does the show itself uh, depict the curse as real? Because mm-hmm. I feel like it does in the first half, and then mm-hmm. in the second half, it, it, like, really plays into no, like, Mina, you're being unreasonable angle. Yeah, so that's what I... I- thought was so strange about it and why it continued to seem like Mina's motivations uh, and intentions were really confusing. So uh, we see that storm in the first, that, that scene where she receives the Morshaka. And I was like, oh, we're going to get an episode where Mina is cursed. And then because of the Morshaka maybe learns that like, oh, old school Bahavia uh, has some meaning to her, even if it's like, because even if yeah even if it's superstitious even if the curse is or is not real whatever but like she's going to be continuously impacted it's going to affect the band and then the band is going to come up with a way to help her out right mm-hmm. um to like overcome the curse and that's the episode uh, and instead we get this storm all right curse is real and then we get this this weird interaction where it's like like I described it is literally what happens. The mic kind of gives some feedback. Mina backs up into a drum and then screams, the curse is getting worse and runs away. Um, a lot of slapstick for Mina for yeah. some reason. Yeah, because it's not... Do you think her character lends herself well for this kind of humor? No. It's It seems complete, like, totally inappropriate for Mina. Yeah. Um, and, and so I... I don't know, Ren, what did you, like, is the curse supposed to be real? I, so when they were starting to, so I feel like this episode must have been written in, like, two separate nights <laughs> by, by one writer, just trying to hit the deadline. <laughs> when he started writing the episode, let's see who wrote it. I have it up right now. Okay. Uh, Rich, hold on, let me make sure this is right. It was written by Mark Warren, who wrote, who co-wrote the pilot with a, Dennis Rinsler, who wrote yes. last week's episode. Could this be their, like, their Bahavia guy? Like, <laughs> whenever they need uh, to uh, focus on, like, Bahavian culture, they bring this guy in? He did write the second episode, Ain't Miss Bahavian. Yeah, so is there... <laughs> Maybe they, they go to him for world building? <laughs> yep. He's the lore guy. He He's the, the Dave Filoni of the Cory in the House universe. He, uh was he's the one who provides the structure to what bahavia is and what the culture is and then they just go from there um i think by the end of the episode mm -hmm. no the curse is not real we're not supposed to believe in the curse it's another like bahavia put down yeah uh and the storm is just a mere coincidence even in the scene court the storm scene Corey's like oh we knew a storm was coming today um yeah which is kind of a bummer i almost wish that they did have the curse be real in, in, in some way. If, if the curse was real, it would have led to a much funnier episode because it would have led to a finale where Corey, Newt, and Mina are deal are actively dealing with a curse while trying to play <laughs> at the library. But instead, we get nonsense. So much fun. So, um, Corey, this is his scheming. He doesn't scheme a ton in this episode, but this is, we do get a scene of scheme. And Corey has decided that him and Newt need to convince Mina that the the curse is bogus so that she will do the show. Um, uh, I thought Newt really shined in the <laughs> sequence. I did. I did as well. So um, Corey 
he he's asking Newt, like, okay, how are we going to convince her to to do something she doesn't want to do? And Newt's like, when my parents want me to do something I don't want to do, they just take turns yelling at me till I do it. <laughs> uh, and Corey says, no offense, but your mind is easy is easier to change than Mina's. Newt says, no, it isn't. Corey says, yes, it is. And Newt says, all right, yeah, you're right. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, Newt, Newt is continues to be a breath of fresh air in these episodes, especially the ones where he's not frontward facing, like not not the main focus. It's because his lines actually tend to be funny most of the time. Yes. Um. So they decide to trigger. They're like, they are going to. Um, so. <laughs> So, Corey is going to uh, invite Mina over to his place, um, the basement of the White House, and tell Mina that they did research online and that there's no science to the curse. And then that Corey found a way to trap the curse by taking it out of her, putting it in him, and then sealing it in a bottle. What could go wrong? This could have been... Well, you know, Newt, Newt had some funny stuff in this next coming bit, actually. Yeah, so um, Corey explains that a key part of the plan is when he says, Newt, the bottle. Newt, Newt. the bottle. <laughs> Newt, the <laughs> bottle. The bottle. Newt the... <laughs> I actually liked the whole Newt, the bottle <laughs> joke. So Newt practices... <laughs> the line over and over to himself. He's like, Newt, the bottle. It's not even something he has to say. (laughs) All he needs to do is give Corey the bottle. Um, So, Mina uh, comes over wearing the yak cap, and she's like, what's up? Why'd you invite me over here? Corey says, hey, we found a way to reverse the Bahavian curse. Uh, I'll transfer it through you into me and then into an empty vessel. So, Corey has Mina sit close her eyes, and hold out her palms. Okay? Would you agree that this is the most offensive thing Corey has done to his friends yet? <laughs> um, to his friends specifically. Um, let me just think. He's done some pretty trash things. Like, uh, imagine if I told you yes. I got a Brazilian curse. Yep. And then you made up this entire <laughs> like gibberish language, yelled at me, did like some weird Holy Spirit dance. I'd be so upset with you. Yeah. I'd be so insulted. Uh, and again, not to, to jump ahead, but Mina apologizes <laughs> to Corey for this. It's something we really have to stress. Yes. I, I would say that this is up there for one of uh, Corey's worst things that he's done. Um, because this is, again, I mean, everything he did last week with trying to profiteer off of Mina's culture was pretty awful. And so this is... Now he's just insulting it to his face. He he has no restraint. Um, So he has Mina sit, close her eyes, hold out her palms. Corey goes to shut off the lights, which I thought was interesting because he just made her close her eyes. (laughs) And um, I did write down, uh, he says, repeat after me. And uh, he he says... uh, Ingadavagi. Ingadavagi. Baba Booey. Baba Booey. And then she, 
She repeats it. Um, uh, wouldn't wouldn't Mina know? Corey is isn't chanting. He isn't chanting in Bahavian. But she's new Bahavian, Ren. So maybe she doesn't know the old Bahavian. Uh, all of the old Bahavian curse removals. Oh, also, you you missed a little something in your recap. Yeah, what I miss. When Corey's telling Mina that he was on the internet, she immediately assumes that he was researching how to get rid of the curse. <laughs> she just jumps to that conclusion right away. She knows. Well, so, because here's also the thing. If the curse is real, and this is how Corey's treating it, Corey is making the curse about him and the band and paying zero respect to the culture, right? Well, um, Bryce, it is about Corey and the band. <laughs> it's the lesson Mina learns. And that's what I hate. I hate <laughs> that it's about Corey and the band. Um, so then Corey uh, begins to feel the evil in him after Mina repeats the baba booey, baba booey. And um, he says his line, Newt, the bottle. And Newt can't find the bottle at first. Uh, well, Newt can't figure out why it sounds so familiar at first. Yes. <laughs> like, where have I heard that? And he's like, oh, yeah. Uh, he can't find the bottle. It's in his pocket, his back pocket. He finally takes it out. He drops it under the couch. Uh, has a whole thing where he's trying to get it. Well, he's doing this. Corey is pretending like, um, like the exorcist style to have the evil in him. He is uh, at first kind of like doing a little dance and he's like, Newt the bottle, Newt the bottle. And uh, then he goes behind the couch and we get the, the physical comedy of him like acting like he's being brought down by the evil. And then he gets up and his hand comes up and like grabs him and pulls him down, like attacks his face. And uh, yeah. And then finally... Newt gets the bottle from under the couch, hands it to Corey. Corey puts a glow light, like a glow stick, in the bottle. And uh, he then pretends to throw it up into the bottle. And While um, the cap is closed. What'd you say? Oh, While yes. the cap is closed. While the cap is closed. Uh, after putting it in, he then pretends to throw it up into it. And um, then he comes over to Mina. And he moves it quickly. So he's like, oh, look, I got the evil. And he moves it quickly so she doesn't realize it's a glow stick. And then Corey's plan is shattered. Chef Victor comes in, turns on the lights. And uh, he finds his glowy stick in the bottle. He's like, I knew I was missing a glowy stick. Ren. Chef Victor and his glowy sticks? It's not even a fun thing to collect. They only glow once you snap them. <laughs> like, does he... And this makes it seem like he has a lot uh, like He around. has them on display. He knows them well enough where he can spot one if it's missing. Like, was the bigger deal not that Corey took it, but that Corey snapped it, do you think? I think... If I were a glowy stick collector like Victor mm-hmm. and my son took a, took a stick but didn't snap it, I'd be like, this isn't yours, but 
would, the talk wouldn't be as extreme. Yeah. Once you snap the glowy stick, you've you've devalued it. It can't be used. The collection's mm-hmm. just a waste. You might as well throw it out, right? <laughs> I just I don't I don't understand what a collection looks like. And like, does he have some neck like some glowy? Doesn't stick look like anything. Necklaces? It's just a bunch of blank sticks. Like... <laughs> Uh, he has like um, 30 loose sticks in a drawer in a drawer it's a collection. It's a collection and he knows when one is missing he has well, a that's feeling. he feels around in the drawer when he's like working he'll like jumble his hands it's through his, yeah it's his comfort. but he only felt 29 <laughs> he goes over there and he counts the glowy sticks and they're like uh chef victor the president needs his dinner now and he's like hold on like counting my glowy sticks um yeah so he counts he counts them he realizes one's missing Finds out Corey took it. He's not happy with Corey. Um, Corey tries to get away. He because this pretty much shows Mina that Corey completely made this up. And Corey is like, "Okay, uh, coming, Daddy." He says yes, he's his, his iconic line. line, "Coming, Daddy." Yep, his catchphrase. And he goes to leave, and uh, that's when I, I think Mina is like, uh, "Nope, you're not." not getting away like this so um cory does not want mina to throw away uh he says i don't want you to throw away our our hopes and dreams after telling um so after um mina finds out that she was tricked by cory or that cory tried to trick her it was insensitive of her to have this as part of her culture who does she think she is Ren. Being Bahavian. So then um, Mina states that she uh, Corey's like, hey, you made a commitment to the band. And Mina says, no, a curse beats a commitment. And Corey explains, well, two days ago you said that you didn't believe in curses. And now, two days later, you seem to believe in them. Um, All right. Yes. She was attacked in a storm. She was attacked in a storm. She was given what we are led to believe is not just any like cursed item, but a heavily cursed item. Like this is a, a pretty offensive and uh, scary item in Bahavian culture, which she's given. And um, Corey doesn't possibly understand what could have made her change her mind about the curse. So, um, Corey says if she can't get on stage, she's out of the band. That's fair, right? You know, we'll kick her out because she's Bahavian. Corey was so culturally insensitive. Mina had to leave the band. And, um, he's like, Newt, back me up. And Newt starts singing a song, uh, called Out of the Band. And, uh, Corey's like, no, don't back me up that way. So I thought thought that was a funny bit. And um, so then Mina quits. And is like, all right, I'm gone. Um, then we get to our second to last scene, finally, of this episode. Uh, they're back at uh, the library cafe. And Corey explains to Alexander that they can't go on because Mina's a no-show. Alexander's like, well, this is band night. You're the band, and it's night. So you gotta go on. And also, you sign a contract. Um, Corey knows a thing or two about contracts. He has experience himself. 
and he knows that he didn't sign one. But uh, Alexander's twin, Nathaniel, is uh, the one who's in charge of the contract that supposedly exists. Uh, Nathaniel is a big buff guy. That's right. Nathaniel took all the nutrients in the womb. He did. He was born two minutes before Alexander. So that's the, the story that we're meant to believe. Um, and then Alexander gets up on stage, right? Because Corey and Newt realize, well, we can't fight uh, Nathaniel. So as a result, they, um, they have to go on stage. And so they go and Alexander goes up and introduces them and says, well, some of you know me by Xander. Uh, what do you think it takes to be known by Xander? I think you need to insist that people call you Xander. Yeah, like what What kind of a person uh, in Alexander's life knows him as that? Nathaniel. Sebastian. So, <laughs> so the, the two people who we see in the library cafe. Interesting. I, I like it. Uh, Corey and Newt begin to play. And they pretty much are just playing like the background music because they have no lead singer. And in this, um, I don't know if you noticed, but Corey is playing the same part of the drum over and over. And the show did a terrible job like editing the song into the show. It literally just sounds like they dragged and dropped the audio clip over it. It, and it is. You, you can hear Mina's background vocals. Yeah. And so they just like edited that out. It, it is bad. Um... And just as we knew was going to happen, Mina's dad is, is there because he said he was going to be there. And that was interesting. He walks in and he walks right up to Corey and Newt while they are playing and says, where's Mina? Do you think that's... <laughs> uh, I just... I don't often do that. Even Even if like... I'm supposed to go somewhere, right? And I'm expecting, say, I'm expecting you, Ren, to be on stage and you're not on stage. I don't often approach the people who are on stage and say, where's Ren? <laughs> right? Like, while they're doing their thing. Um, so he has just no no respect for it. But luckily, no one stops him because they probably don't love the background music anyway. It's probably more interesting now. <laughs> and uh, Newt says, we're rocking here. And um, Mina's dad decides that he's going to rock until he gets the answers. So he picks up the tambourine. Sophie's and, tambourine. Yeah. So do you think Ambassador P has tambo in his reen? He's got a good groove on him. He does. So him, uh, Corey's like, Newt, uh, you do a guitar solo. So Corey comes forward and dances with Ambassador P while they talk and while newt plays guitar um, um at this point if i were newt or Corey, i probably would have just stopped well right if you were newt or Corey, you probably would have been booed off by now yeah that's true as well so um i don't know if maybe Corey feels like they're obligated to con like continuously play music um and not stop because i, I you know. um Gotta work off that juice. <laughs> Small juice. So they uh, they catch up 
Ambassador P on everything. They explain Mina quit because of the curse. Her dad's like, but Mina doesn't believe in curses. So even he is aware that Mina, you know, doesn't believe. And then Mina well, shows like up. One big thing about her, every episode reiterates, Mina doesn't believe in curses. <laughs> yeah, I wish um, Queen the House were another show. Th- these seeds would have been planted uh, long before. Just dropped casually throughout. Like, oh, Mina, like, did you uh, ever hear about the 2004 Red Sox? And then she would have been like, I did hear about them, but they weren't cursed because I don't believe in curses. Um, so Mina shows up anyway, which doesn't make sense. If you quit a band, you don't show up anyway. Um, but it's because she's learned her lesson. She has. She's learned a valuable lesson. She... In the end, Corey is always right. He has Corey... all the answers. He does. Corey is the king of answers. He, uh, he knows everything. And in this case, Mina comes and um, explains that it wasn't a curse she was worried about. It was having to perform for her dad. And um, Mina's dad is like, that doesn't make any sense. And Mina's like, well, you know, you were always kind of like disapproving of me. And it's just hard to impress you without being judged. And, um, you know. She made up that storm. That's that. Yeah, I I, I just, it's so strange. Because that doesn't feel, it does not feel through Mina's actions that her concern is her dad. Yeah, and that's not telegraphed whatsoever. It's just uh, like thrown in there for us to like uh, your your explanation of this episode being written in two nights. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. There's a massive disconnect. And um, then she gets on stage and she plays because ultimately she explains she was worried about being judged, um, but she came because of her commitment. And her dad tells her that... Um, you know, he won't be proud to see her playing rock music, but he is proud of her honoring a commitment. For Ambassador P, who is old school Bahavian, you think he would have a harder time um, accepting that Corey gave a Morshaka to his daughter. And then his daughter used the Morshaka as a supposed excuse for her to not want to play music. Right? Like He then gives to someone else. Uh, like are we maybe supposed to believe that this is him realizing that uh, maybe his old school Bahavian ways like the idea of the curse is uh, not like something that he follows through believing in after this like is he now over the idea of curses as well I, well I, he gives Alexander the Morchaka with the yeah. cursing him so again we're back to the curse being real the show doesn't know what it wants to do with the Morshaka. It, it has no clue. It doesn't know what's no. Um So the episode like fizzles out. The end scene is not super exciting. So they sing um, a song. It's called Shine Bright. It's like I said, a lullaby. And then uh, the end bit, you just said Ambassador P comes back and he he's like, hey, my band, my daughter's band played here. Uh, I heard you only paid them in juice. And Alexander's like, yeah, of course I did. 
and so he gives him uh the more he gives him more shaka and he holds it up he's like oh it has really cute eyes and then uh spencer blasts alexander in the face with a berry smoothie and that's the episode jeez what a time another cory in the house done honestly um this one dragged yeah this one did for me too i wasn't a big fan and it's so it didn't structurally have um the boomer moment which is something i love and it didn't have anything that felt like it was tied into the characters that we've seen so far yeah very characterization it it just um kind of brought us back to square one with not sure about mina and her culture um it treaded over a lot of the same ground that the second episode did in terms of mina conflicted between the culture and who she is but that even wasn't the lesson of the episode they made the lesson some thing about commitment about how uh, commitment is more important than your own culture um in a way, is this episode saying, like, don't go to church on Sundays, go to your soccer game? Definitely. Man. Corey in the house has ideologies it's trying to instill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't particularly agree with the lesson of this episode. <laughs> now, not every Corey in the house episode that we've seen has had a lesson, but this one just doesn't even feel right. No, it doesn't for it um and i don't really feel like i knew what it it was trying to to say so um no president in this episode in fact not even a mention no president no sophie so um we can't do an approval rating right because there's nothing to say like not other times we've gone off of like if we hear a sentence about him even but there's nothing nothing to work off of so i don't feel comfortable um, giving him anything one way or the other. Same. Yeah. Um, did you have any rose, uh, like roses for this episode? Like something that you really enjoyed or liked? No. <laughs> uh, let me try. Let me try. Mm-hmm. I like Newt. I'll give it to. I'll give it the blanket Newt. <laughs> yeah. The the one that we always kind of give it to whenever we're not super sure. Um, count on Newt. For me, I guess the. Uh, like the physicality it didn't really fit mina as a character but like uh, the choreography i guess of the getting taken by the poster and then hitting the the two poles and falling over the bench yeah eh. i guess i guess that was an episode highlight yeah like um i guess that was good or um cory barfing into the sealed uh <laughs> sealed <laughs> um container was also i thought uh it was good not because of the context of it but without any context yeah it was good uh anything anything that you would want to see more of that this episode brought i'll give it i'll say uh dc3 let's see more of dc3 let's see what let's see if they can do something good with it <laughs> if anything just um just the name alone the fact that we got that makes us feel good. Um, something I wanted to see, or like I would like to see more of that this episode brought is um, 
so I like that we got Ambassador P back. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like his outing this time was as good as his first one. No, he felt very kind of like thrown in. Yes. Um, like he, he was just there to kind of explain the old school Bahavian ways and then be that pressure on Mina that was supposedly supposed to make her feel conflicted. Um, but, but didn't, but uh, I would say that within that, the dynamic between um, like Mina, Corey and Newt, and then their respective parents and like how that plays into kind of the plots of the episodes. I still, so I, I don't think we'll get it, but I so badly want to know more about Newt and his parents. Cause he seems to have a very rough relationship with them. Yeah. I don't think we'll get more either. Yeah. Um, Worst part of the, about the episode, the thorn. Pretty much everything surround the ending. The ending. Yeah, the ending was bad. So sloppy. Um, like it, it just felt very inconsistent with everything. Um, for me, oh, my one of Corey in the house's blandest endings. Like, yeah, nothing really goes wrong. No, and it, even if you look at the episode as a whole, um, we don't even have like what this is the like that one sentence of like this is the episode where blank like what this is the episode where cory uh pretends to have evil trapped inside of him <laughs> and then spits it into a jar like it, that that was honestly the most energy seen in the whole episode yeah so is that it i don't know um but there's literally and even walking through the scenes there's like three or four scenes in a row where all it is is Corey saying hey like Mina you gotta get over this curse and then Mina's like no the curse is real and that's that's all, all the scene is um, my thorn so it, it actually uh, differs to you you said DC3 was your bud that's my thorn um, I hate the band aspect I want it all to go away I don't want any more songs I don't want I don't them think to learn anything ever going more. away I know because this is Corey all of a sudden became like the Corey that plays drums. Like that's part of who he is in this show. Um, He's the Corey who drums. But I was not happy about them singing again. And um, I mean, we'll get to the ratings in a second, but it, for me, a bad episode is one where we see them spending too much time on singing. And this had 1.5 songs. So, um, all right. What was your final episode rating? Three. Yeah, yeah, that feels right. Um, I was gonna go with the, and I will. I'm gonna go with the three point five. Okay. Um, just you know, a little bit more generous. I didn't feel like it was, um, that disastrous, but it was so boring, Ren. Yes, it was very boring. Such a boring episode. Even watching it. So, like I said, I had it in the, on in the background the first time I watched it. The second time I watched it, I was so hoping for, like, something we could sink our teeth into. Yeah. And I just felt like it gave us nothing um, to really... Speaking of giving us nothing, there's no IMDb review, but there are two IMDb quotes that I oh. feel I need to share. Yes. You don't they? understand why. Mm-hmm. Quote one, Sophie, boom shakalaka, Mina shakalaka boom <laughs> quote two adopting mina's accent sophie oh mina in my country bahavia we call that a joke laughs like mina uh, 
Okay, so Sophie's not in this episode. No, so, Sophie is not the, in this episode. <laughs> so <laughs> these quotes are clearly not from this. Gets me concerned though, because it sounds like we have a Sophie cultural appropriation episode uh, <laughs> coming up, where Sophie decides that she's Bahavian. This episode also credits a uh, Sunil Narkar playing a Bahavian man, who I do not, I don't remember there being a Bahavian man in the episode, other than uh, the prime minister yeah. or the ambassador. Um, anything. Um, is there, is it possible that there is a deleted scene from this episode? I it's possible, like, in the (laughs) sense that all things are possible. Because I'm really racking my brain now. I don't think there wasn't. There There couldn't have been. Um... Is does someone help Ambassador P when he first arrives with like sprinkling the salt? That's all him as no, well. No, he's completely alone. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Don't know. Off off <laughs> camera. Not mentioned. Um. All right. Anything else on IMDb or otherwise that you have to say about this episode? No, I feel set. Yeah, I'm tapped. I'm tapped with this one. Um. Do we think ambassador, uh, not ambassador, do we think Corey in the house has some bright spots ahead? It's hard to tell. These past two episodes have been rough. Or because it's also interesting now that we have a better idea for what Corey in the house is. Yeah. Um, are we getting like, is there a point that we get Corey'd out? Like we're just like sick of his shit. I, I feel like that time will come. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's only going to take one really bad episode. <laughs> because this, like, I was sick of his shit in this episode, but luckily it wasn't too Corey schemey for me to really lose it. But he he's pushing boundaries. <laughs> he He's going to get me. And I, I don't know if it'll be soon, but it, it is coming. Um, so, all right. So, um, Next week, we have episode 10, Beat the Press. Which which is actually the third episode in the production order. So we're going oh. way back. And since just even based on the name of it, um, sounds like it'll be centered around the concept of being in the White House. So yeah. should be good. I'm Also, I'm guessing since it's in that um, third episode order that we'll see some Samantha Samuels next week as well. I do have some bad news, though, Bryce. Oh, what's that? The episode is written by Dennis Rinsler. Which ones did he do? The pilot and last week. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I More know. Exploding desserts. <sighs> oh, well. We're trucking through. We ten ep- like, episode 10, 33% there. Almost. A little bit less than 33%. Making good progress. But we most certainly are. So uh, with that, then we uh, we're good. And uh, if, if you listen, thank you so much for listening. You can like our page on Facebook and uh, check out our Twitter. But otherwise, uh, thank you all very much and uh, have a great rest of your day. All right. Bye. Bye. Bryce and Randy, my electric guitar.